Welcome, everyone, to the Food, Farms, and Chefs radio show with restaurant industry author Kevin Wilson, highly acclaimed chef Gene Blum, and food photojournalist Amaris Pollock. Join them as they interview the biggest names in the restaurant industry, tell you about the latest food trends, and give you recipes and cooking tips too. So let's get the show started. Welcome to our listeners around the world via the podcast, our listeners on Talk Radio, WWDB, and our new listeners on WPEN, HD2, 97.5 FM. Today's show, we have chef and lifestyle and food contributor, Roberta Pepito. And then after we talk to Roberta, we will have TV celebrity chef, Brian Duffy who has an awesome podcast. And then we will end the show with local entrepreneur, Luciano Russo, who creates an amazing sauce called Da Vinci Salsa Calabrese. Let's get the show started. Amorous Pollock, let's introduce your fantastic guest. I would like to introduce everybody to a friend of mine, Roberta Pepito. You are amazing. I followed you. I, I met you. I'm not sure, actually, at this point. What but event? <laughs> one of the events. Um, and then, you know, started following you on Instagram. But you are you do some amazing things. So why don't you tell our listeners about yourself? Okay. So, yeah, I'm a chef, uh, lifestyle and food contributor, local and national television so you can find me on shows like Rachel Ray, Dr. Oz, Home and Family, on um, the Hallmark Channel. I just love sharing the love with food. You know, I think we all love food. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, and I'm honored to be here. Thank you guys for having me. No problem. Thank you for joining us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some of the things that you do online in, you know, that I've noticed, are you seem to cook with fresh ingredients and like usually it's based in Italian. I, I feel like that's your main. So yeah, I'm Brazilian and Italian. So coming up with a family like that, you have to know how to cook, <laughs> you know, and my dad is a professional chef and baker, which he has that gift to do both because baking is a science and I'm not good in that department <laughs> at all, but I can cook. And I think it's just growing up with an Italian grandmother as well, Brazilian grandmother, you know, you learn how to pick out your ingredients, you know, and that's what I teach my kids since they were babies, how to smell different like herbs and garlic. And, you know, I remember having a friend over one time, my daughter was about like two years old. She comes over to the counter and starts eating like raw onions and garlic. And my friend goes, oh, my God, she's eating that. I'm like, yeah, you have to let your kids don't turn around and tell your kids. No, you're not yeah. going to like it. You know, that's how we become picky eaters. So, yeah. And you don't want to get boxed in because there is so much food out there that has so much flavor. Mm-hmm. And yes, there are things that more are more potent or intense, like the onion exactly. and the garlic. Yep. But, you know, you won't learn if you like something or how to balance it in a dish if you're not trying exactly. it. Exactly. So like my dad would always say. You don't try it once, you try it twice because your palate can play tricks on you. So I've taught that to my kids at a very young age. They're 12 and 11. They turn around to me sometimes now and go, well, you know, my palate changes, so I might not like that, you know? And I'm like, (laughs) come on, guys, you know? But um, we do have a garden. I love to have a garden at home, like, you know, with fresh herbs and stuff like that. Fresh things on hand is is great. And it's, yeah, and it's the best thing to cook with, too, Mm -hmm. is fresh ingredients. Mm -hmm. Because then you get the full flavor. It's right off the vine or right from the ground. You know, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's Mm going to have all of the nutrients, you know, and you don't have to worry about the pesticides. Exactly. Absolutely. 
So, yeah, but we, we love cooking. So, like, you can see you've seen our lives before. Yeah. I cook with my husband. He's my sous chef. <laughs> it can get always quite interesting. In <laughs> it can. It can. He's always my sous chef. He's always good sport. So... And, and it's fun. It's fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, and you also have your blog that, mm-hmm. you know, people can go to and, and read about. Yeah. Read, read about your travels. Yeah. Read about recipes. Yeah. Um, HomemadeDelish.com. You can find tons of recipes on there. And like you said, travel, too, is one of my loves. I love traveling. I love trying different foods from all over. So, And you recently traveled, I believe, to, oh, where was it? St. Croix. Yeah. Oh, um, I was there. I was so there when I graduated high school. It was great. Beautiful. Beautiful, because yeah. a lot of people go to like St. John and yep. St. Thomas, and it's so touristy. And I'm like, let's try St. Croix, yeah. and it's absolutely beautiful there. Yeah, absolutely beautiful. We try. I think the kids got to try some different things that they've never tried here. Um, but one thing that we did not get for my daughter, she wanted a coconut water, and we <laughs> did not find the coconut. Like the fresh yes. coconut. Uh, yes. yes. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't find it. Well, we went right in February, so a lot of things were still opening. You know, some things weren't open yet. But we couldn't find fresh coconut. Huh. Yeah. Now, what, like, that's sad because then you can also, like, eat the meat, too. Exactly. So we're planning on going back next year. So we'll see <laughs> if we can find her a coconut. <laughs> and it, a good friend of mine yesterday, we were talking about National Ice Cream Day. And he said his favorite ice cream in the entire world was one he got in Thailand that was fresh coconut ice cream with coconut milk that's still sat mm. in the bottom of it. Yes. That sounds fantastic. described that, I was like. Yeah. Losing my mind for it. There's actually a brand out there. I forget the name that they have like tropical flavors, like passion fruit and like these really different. I think you've heard of them, maybe fructose or something like that. Okay, they're local. Oh my gosh, passion fruit is like my favorite fruit. I love passion fruit. Anything passion fruit. I've been um big on the mango lately. Yeah, mangoes are so good. Yeah, too. yeah. And um, I I actually it's funny that you brought up coconuts because I um I'm a stickler for like having you know the right kitchen tool <laughs> for the right job, and I know I'm a weakling, so I actually <laughs> went out and bought um from Home Depot, mm-hmm. and I even bought it with, where it was pink, so it was like this okay. is definitely mine. <laughs> oh my goodness! I feel like as a chef though, you should ha- always have a like at least two knives, good knives in your kitchen. Yeah. That's the main thing. You don't need to have all these fancy dancy, like, you know, all these things that people have. I have a lot of knives, which if anybody breaks into my house, beware. <laughs> there are, there's so many knives in my kitchen, but I do. I, I have specific knives that I really love to use. Yeah. So. Well, I didn't, I didn't buy a knife for it, but for to crack open a mm-hmm. coconut, like I bought a hammer because I was just <laughs> like, I'm not messing around. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's tough to open. I actually love your blog. I went there today knowing you were coming yeah. on the show. And what I loved about it is you were talking about uh, the chicken sandwich, uh-huh. uh, how popular they are. Uh-huh. And then you give a recipe. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. Every, every, and I started to, like, on Instagram, if people don't go directly to my blog, I do have all my recipes. Like, when I post something, I will put my recipe fully on there. Like I said, I've been doing, like, the lives a little bit. We did stop for a moment there. But, you know, I just, I love putting all the recipes out because people will inbox me and go, can I have the recipe for that? Can I have the recipe for that? You know, and I'm always willing to, like, if you get caught in something, you don't know how to do it, just reach out and I'll help you. And we have a lot of home cooks that listen to the show. I would highly recommend going to oh, your awesome. blog. awesome. Thank yes. you. I appreciate it. And it's healthy, it. too. It's not, you know, it's not loaded with like a ton of fat. I mean, you know, I think everything in balance, right? Yeah. You know, I don't deprive myself. If I want to have a burger or if I want to have a piece of chocolate cake, I'm going to have it. But I think everything in balance, you know. Yeah. So. And I, as I sit here and I clearly like food. <laughs> 
<laughs> but um, you know what? What's something that for our listeners you would say definitely go check out my blog for that recipe? Hmm, there's so many good ones yeah, on there. I was looking earlier. Yeah, I know. Like a lot of the mac and cheese, like pasta dishes, are always a favorite. I have like homemade raviolis too that are super simple. All you need is flour and hot water, and that's nice. your dough. That's oh, making nice. your dough. Yeah. So you don't have to have like eggs and all this fancy stuff. Um, it's a ravioli alla norma. Mm-hmm. So it's like so delicious and so fantastic. And it's easy. Yeah. So you have to be intimidated by making pasta. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I mean, it is such a simple thing. And mm-hmm. I love making gnocchis from scratch. Oh, yeah. That's another easy one. Yeah. Like so easy to make that. Yeah. I have actually, that's another one too. And I've made that on a couple different shows. I've actually demoed that at a couple different events, um, how to make gnocchi. Yeah. You know, that was something that I grew up in the kitchen with my grandma making. <laughs> you, we would use a fork. We didn't even have that little paddle board, like that little fancy thing. It was forks. We would just use a fork with nice. it. Yeah. yeah. I use a Very fry basket school. from oh, a fryer yeah. works for yeah. wonderful right down the side. Yeah. I could roll a big piece out and cut it if yeah. I wanted to as well. Yeah. Works really well. Yeah. I made a lot of it during COVID. Yeah. <laughs> I think we all cooked a lot during COVID. <laughs> um, so what like what do you have coming up too? So I do have something that I am completely and like I can't even believe it's happening. One of my all time favorite chefs, Jacques Pepin. Oh, my goodness. Um, I'm going to be part of his uh, cooking series uh, online that he has, um, Volume 3, that's going to be coming out. So I am beyond, because he's what, I mean, oh, I grew he's up. he's a legend. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> the man is is the legend. And so, his videos are great. I oh watch him right now. He teaches you technique. So we're bringing awareness to of his Jacques Pepin Foundation, which is, you know, bringing awareness to the culinary people that are out there you know some people don't have funding to go to culinary school so he's he's teaching people he always has taught people i mean if you watch pbs on a sunday that's what you would watch do it with his daughter oh yeah Yeah. yep yep so so are you gonna do it alongside him with him or is it so that's what he started last year during covid you know he started this online cookbook videos with all these celebrity chefs and for them to ask me to come to be the third like oh that's amazing yeah i'm literally stumbling right now because (laughs) he's one of my all-time favorites hall of fame yes yes and i've met i've met quite a few chefs you know but he is but he's on my top i hope i I get to meet him like just to be part of that i'm excited for you (laughs) so but yeah, we do. I mean, studios are starting to open back up. You know, Fox 29, I'm always on there here in Philly. Yeah. Um, but Alex don't... Holly is so sweet. Oh, she is. She's amazing. And Mike, I mean, yeah. Mike, the jokester, he's <laughs> always awesome. Um, but they're the Fox family. I love going there. And uh, L.A., hopefully Kelly Clarkson show, Drew Barrymore show. Nice. Things things are, you know. In the works and starting yeah. to open up. And, exactly. Yeah. Hopefully it stays that way. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And, you know, you've also been on QVC, too. Yes. So, like, that's everyone has access to QVC. Yeah, I was representing Junior's Cheesecakes. Oh, there now, you go. I have to tell you how hard it is not to sit there and not eat it, like, the whole time. Because <laughs> you're not allowed to eat that on air because and you they don't want you to And you smell it when you're that oh close. Oh, my God, it's so good. It's, it's evil. So good. But did you, like, smother yourself in cheesecake after? Well, he, they actually sent me home with some cheesecakes. And I'm like, oh, my God, i got to stop eating this. <laughs> Like, but they're so good, you yeah. know, because they use really fresh ingredients. You know, it's not like ingredients when you get a cheesecake at the supermarket yeah, where they use like sour cream because they don't use fresh eggs. Mm. A lot of the cheesecake bases in the supermarket. I don't know if a lot of people know that, but 
No. Yeah. yeah. So that, make sure you see eggs on there when you when you buy when you it. read yeah. that. <laughs> New York style cheese like cheesecakes should have eggs in there, fresh eggs. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> and that that nice squeeze exactly. of Exactly. Yeah. It's just you can tell the difference. Creaminess, you know, it's not flaky. Yeah. So and it, it just has that nice density. I don't know about you guys. My mouth is watering just talking I know. about cheesecake. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's gonna there's gonna be a cheesecake being made on your show. I know, so. right? Oh my goodness. <laughs> um, and speaking of your show, where can our listeners find you? So homemadedelish.com. Instagram, obviously, I'm I'm very active on Instagram, so you can find me on there either under Homemade Delish or Roberta Pepito, whichever one you you put in. Uh, thank you, thank yeah. you so much for joining thank us. Thank you so much for having me. No problem. I highly recommend your blog. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, we are going to go to break, and we'll be right back. To become a sponsor of our show and promote your business or event on every single podcast platform, including Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Amazon Music. In addition to WWDB Talk Radio every Tuesday at 6 p.m. evening drive time, email us today, foodfarmsandchefs at yahoo.com for our very low rates. Amorous Pollock, introduce your fantastic guest. Hi, everyone. I would like to introduce you to the amazing and talented Chef Brian Duffy. Brian, thank you for joining us on the show. It is my pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me on. No problem. So you have a lot going on between, you know, TV appearances, obviously that slowed down during quarantine, but um, TV appearances and joining other people's podcasts. You have your own podcast. Um, you, I don't know whether or not I can mention what we discussed last night about the two places um, yeah, go for it. Why not? I think so, you just did. But I, okay. know, I know. <laughs> Spoiler. Um, that you're opening up two new restaurants. You know, you've opened up restaurants in the past and you also have like a group, a consulting group. So you are one of the busiest men out there. And welcome mm-hmm. to our show. And what would you like to discuss first? Would you want do you want to talk about hey. how you started? Sure. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, Starting in this crazy world of, of culinary and all that stuff, I'm, I mean, I'm a Philly guy. I grew up in the suburbs. I grew up in Ballot-Kimwood. Uh, started working in restaurants when I was like 14 uh, as a busboy and a dishwasher. Um, and then, you know, I kind of started to play around a little bit with food later on in life. I really didn't get – like I went to culinary school when I was about 21 years old, uh, 20 or 21. So – I didn't really start to get into like the te- technical aspect of it, but I used to cook for friends and do all that stuff. And then, of course, my parents were both amazing cooks, so we always kind of had that bug inside of us. Right, and you know, for for those of, uh, out out there that might be living under a rock, he um, also has a podcast and does lives on Instagram. And you know, if you want to learn how to do to cook something, he he's gone so far as to just opening up his fridge and you know grabbing old ingredients or things that are left over and creating something from it. Like the I think it was a soup that you had made the other day or a pasta dish um that oh, i don't remember all I, I make stuff <laughs> and then i end up giving it away to my neighbors oh really now yeah that... i have some i have cool neighbors that live around me so i always when i'm a chef so it ends up that i'm like oh here we go another five gallons of soup <laughs> um, 
But uh, so I end up putting everything in quart containers and uh, I kind of freeze it and give it off to my neighbors. And uh, so they get kind of the reap the rewards, I guess. Yeah. And I was going to say they're very lucky neighbors for, for having some, that. Yeah. Sometimes they are. I'm also kind of loud and I have a hot tub in my backyard that I play really loud jazz at like 11 o'clock at night. So <laughs> lucky in the belly, maybe not in the ear. <laughs> well, you know, maybe there, there's a give and take there. So you're sweetening the pot because of that. <laughs> I do get away with a little bit more. I actually, uh, I stole a driveway across the street from me. Um, I live in like a, a little, a pretty cool little section of, of Ardmore. And uh, my neighbor, unfortunately, their house got foreclosed on about nine months ago. I stole their driveway. <laughs> uh, so I have I now park my car in their driveway. Um, oddly enough, nobody else thought to do that. But, uh, yeah, I actually mowed their lawn the other day as well. So, <laughs> so you're really, like, taking over. <laughs> Makes yeah. it easier to find your car also. <laughs> What's that? Makes it easier to find your car when you can, when you can see through the grass. Yeah, I actually had somebody who kind of parked in front of the foreclosed driveway the other day, and I have a Jeep, so I was able to go around them. Um, and then I left them a really nice note on their Jag SUV that said, "It's a shame that you drive such a nice car, but you're unable to know how, that you're unable to learn how to park it." So, <laughs> a yeah. friendly little reminder. Yeah, just the little things. So, um, yeah. So. Um... One of the things that I see you make a lot is seafood. Um, It's it's I mean, who doesn't love seafood? So what is what's your favorite seafood dish to to make? I mean, for me, it's all about like I love crabs. So if anybody said to me, like, what is what's one thing you love to cook? I love to cook crabs. I mean, seafood has always been a staple for me. I graduated culinary school. I went to the I went to the restaurant school in Philadelphia. I did my apprenticeship at the Four Seasons. I also did an apprenticeship at this crazy little Italian restaurant called San Marco, which was this like just awesome fine dining Italian spot in uh, Balakimwood. And so when I graduated from culinary school, I immediately three days later moved down to the Keys. So I lived in Key Largo for the first year of my career and really just played with fish and, and seafood as much as possible. The, the weird thing for me is that growing up, I was allergic to shellfish. So for the first 18 years of my life, I was allergic to shellfish. We were a beach family. We had a house in Sea Isle, like the whole nine yards, every bit of it. My father would rent a boat. We'd go out and go crabbing for the day. And here's me, like, trying to catch a flounder. <laughs> so I finally just got really tired of it. I ate a Benadryl, and I ate a shrimp. The next day, I ate a Benadryl, and I had two shrimp. So, like, I, I started to kind of play around with that. And then four years later, um, I had my first ever crab fest where we had about 40 bushels of crabs. We had a whole bunch of bands and a whole bunch of people. Um, and I cooked my first crab fest. That's amazing. So that is like the, the epitome. And I'm not talking about like Old Bay and crab that way. I'm talking about cleaning the crabs. I saute them in garlic and butter. A lot of times I finish them off on a grill with a little bit of char, or even I'll drop them in a smoker for 10 or 15 minutes just to kind of enhance that flavor a little bit. But to me, that's like the, the best way to eat crabs. That and claws in gravy. That's the only way to eat crabs for me. Just so you know, um, you have both Roberta and I drooling. I don't know about the guys, but both the two, we two women are like drooling over here. 
Pass me the well, beer look, and some crabs. Right? <laughs> I mean, you either, there's like two types of people. So there's people that love crabs or people that just don't want to waste their time with them. You know, my mother is one of those people that my father would actually clean crabs for my mother and give her the meat. And then he would dig into his own crabs. Me, I don't have that patience with my girlfriend. She can figure it out on her own. Um, <laughs> but, but it's like, there's two different types of people in this world. You either love crabs or you don't have time for them. So anybody who loves them really gets it. I mean, to me, it's like the idea of literally kind of hunkering down and sitting down at a table. I fully plan on having crab juice dripping down my forearms with like a bottle of Budweiser in front of me for three to four hours. Like that is the epitome of a great meal because I love interactive meals. I like meals where people all sit down together, where you have to sit, you have to talk. Um, and, and unfortunately, as Americans, look, we're, we're the fattest nation in the world because we want to eat as fast as possible. Eating is more of is done for sustainability, just for kind of filling our bellies, as opposed to the experience of dining. And I think that crabs are the most interactive way to eat. Before, hold on, before um, you you ask a question, Gene, I want to say, like, I would love to sit down and actually have a meal with you, but I'll have to bring a shirt, like an extra, like, shirt so that I can get messy. Oh, yeah. oh so, my God. I just started, I just started uh, buying these new t-shirts, and I'm not, this is not a plug for anybody who's out there, but they're called Fresh Clean Teas, and I get a subscription every single month, and they send me all these t-shirts, and I always get a new white t-shirt because I am the king of spilling. I will drop crab juice, tomato sauce, beer, bourbon, wings. It doesn't matter. I leave wherever I am, and I'm like, oh, look what I had for dinner. That's okay, Brian. My wife gives me what, every day when I leave the house what's called an I'm a man shirt. It's a shirt I put over my shirt because God oh, knows okay. an hour into my day in the kitchen, there's going to be something all over my dress shirt for that day. That's so I so really, funny, dude. I love it. You know, the the thing about crabs, I so agree with you. I do a crab fest for my daughters and family every year and they go, well, dad, we're sorry. You know, we only ate one or two, you know, they're just too much work. And I'm like, oh, it's okay. It's okay. I'll make gravy later. You know, you're not coming back the second time. I, I invite them. They have the sides. You don't have to eat the crabs. Just leave them for me. And that interactive experience really is where it's at. You know, thank you for sharing that because it's important. You know, know where to go, right? The only, the only crabs that like the only sides that belong with crabs. There's three. It needs to be corn, pasta, and crab gravy, and beer. Those are literally the only sides that I want. Don't give me potatoes. I don't want anything else with it. I literally want the crabs, and then I take when I clean my crabs, I take my claws off first. All of my claws go into the gravy. It's just, I don't even know, you know, it's just an automatic. They go in the pot. I stir them all up. I get my garlic, my onions. I use butter. I don't use extra virgin olive oil. Sorry, Roberta. And then I <laughs> Hey, I love, I love olive oil and butter. I think the two I like work the mix. really well, especially when you're making pasta dishes. I'm just saying. Those are my, my eggs are always olive oil and butter. There's mm, something about that. Yes. And they, then that they work well together. Butter. Is so good. I so. do. Can I just say one thing? I know this is not my show or anything, yeah, but yeah. I do agree. Yeah. <laughs> I do agree with you. We, we went to St. Croix in February, like I mentioned to you guys. 
And they take forever to bring out the food. And we were just like, wow, it's taking so long, right? Now, I came from, like, you know, in Brazil, it's the same way. Like, you sit and you eat. You go to those shuhasku, like the barbecue things, and you will sit there for hours and eat meat. But I do have to stay in St. Croix. We asked the waitress, and she's like, this is the way we do it. This is island life. Like, we take our time, yeah. enjoy yourself. So we would have, like, an appetizer. It would take, like, 15, 20 minutes to get our main meal, you know? But it was nice. Yeah. It and was different. Yeah. And in Spain, when I was in Spain, like I we sat down for a meal and I swear it took us like two, mm-hmm. three hours yep. to like go through the but I I ordered for the entire table and there was like I think sixteen of us and it was just like this huge layout of food mm-hmm. and it was just But it is, it's very true. Here in America we do eat fast. Yeah. We don't enjoy food the way other cultures do. You yeah. Know? It truly is a shame I mean, too. I'm a chef, so I, you know, my, I always joke because my mother laughs at me. She's like, slow down, slow down. Because I will, I'll eat really fast. But when I sit down for a meal, it's an entirely different world. And, you know, I've been kind of all over the world. I love the islands. I'm in and out of the islands a couple times a year. And it's the, the island life alone, the average American can't handle it down mm-hmm. there because they're not, they're, they're not at a constant rapid pace. Mm-hmm. You know, so I watch Americans when they sit at a bar, they go into a restaurant and they really get almost offended that people are kind of taking their time. But what Mm -hmm. you got to realize is that that's their work for them and it's our vacation. Mm -hmm. So we need to sit back and chill down. And when you go to another country, especially like, you know, when I've been in Italy or France or Spain or whatever, the idea of eating is a huge part of the day. The basics are a huge part of the day. So, you know, your meals are starting at 9 or 10 o'clock and you're there until 2 o'clock in the morning. It's not like us that are like, I have an 8.30 reservation and a 9.30 show. <laughs> Let me go to Del Frisco. Right. right. You know, Put a cone in her mouth and just <laughs> chug yeah, it. Just it's not worth it. So. No, it's not. So do you want to talk a little bit about some of the, the things that you have going on and coming up? Sure. I do. Uh, so I have a consulting firm called Duffified Experience Group. Um, Duffified is a term that uh, kind of came out in about 2011. Um, I got really tired of, uh, of kind of not even 2011. It was really more in that 2008, nine area where I just made a decision that I was no longer going to say no. And I was going to try to experience as much of life as possible. And so the idea of the Duffified Experience Group is that I really try to bring into people's restaurants or into their concepts, whatever they're going to do, an experience drive behind that. So I believe in a concept. I don't care what your concept is. My motto is that you have to follow your heart when it comes to your concept. Because once you start to renege on your concept or once you start to kind of let loose or, or loosen the reins on your concept, then you're just the average bar, grill, restaurant, nightclub, whatever it turns out to be. Then the next thing you know, you're selling 250 Miller Lights on a Thursday. Okay. So the experience group and what we try to do is we really try to take food to a different level. Um, We try to offer experiences when people come in and dine. So if you're going to open a concept up and you work with me, then I'll spend about three months really uh, kind of trying to do as much research on that concept as I can to put amazing spins on things as well as the food aspect of it. So the whole food idea when it comes to a concept. So I'm opening a place in uh, Long Island up there in Levittown in a couple of weeks and so the whole concept is all about the 80s so it's actually called arcadia 
Um, it's a really neat little concept. It started out as a bar. Now with the pandemic and everything else, we actually moved the concept over into like this really cool strip mall area um, that we're doing all 80s food. So everything that is involved in this menu has something a tie back to the 80s. So like we're doing a barbecue sauce made out of tab. Okay, so that's one of the barbecue sauces. And then we're also doing some other stuff like um, there's, there was a huge hurricane that came through uh, years ago in the 80s that was, I believe it was called Irene. So we're doing something called Irene's Map, which is kind of like loaded fry, but it's got a fried mac and cheese like epicenter with French fries on top of it. And then some cool gravy and other stuff like that. There's another sandwich called the Shoreham Hot Chicken, which is a variation of a uh, of a Nashville hot chicken. Only this plays off of the nuclear power plant that was that was like set to open in the 80s called Shoreham that cost the area so much money that it, and it never actually opened. So like there's little plays on different things that I do when I open up restaurants and I open concepts. So that's the first one that we're doing. The next property that I'm doing is in Wisconsin, and this is called Wisconsin on Tap. So it's actually a, a restaurant that's geared towards everything Wisconsin. So what do we know about Wisconsin? Well, what's the number one thing, everybody? It's all about cheese. cheese. So we utilize <laughs> a whole bunch of really cool local cheeses, and we utilize cheese in a bunch of different dishes. But it's also a beer house. So we do some really neat stuff with beer where I actually take like spent grains and hops and whatnot from the beers that they use and we dehydrate them and then we pulverize them into a powder and that acts as one of the coatings that goes on the french fries oh that's so like cool. we really try to incorporate as much different flavors it's not the only flavor that goes in it's a, it's like 12 different ingredients that all get mixed together with different textures and all that because i believe that you know anybody who, who does follow me knows that i'm an ambassador for a french fry company yeah. that I've worked with for about four years, and I have a boatload of fun working with them um, to come up with new fry dishes. Like I just did a cheesesteak um, fry with, with roasted mushrooms and caramelized onions and two different cheese sauces. I did a yellow sharp cheddar, and then I did what I call a white trash sauce, which is like American cheese and cream and white cheddar and pepper jack. Yeah, I love it. White trash sauces. <laughs> I'm trying not to laugh out loud. <laughs> yeah. Because I really, when I do food, I want people to, uh, like, we elevate the technique of what it is that we're doing, um, but we simplify the food down so that, that the average person loves it. And I don't get involved in fine dining restaurants anymore because it's just not fun for me. I love the, uh, the concept and the theme restaurants that have a boatload of fun, like, on the inside. So, um, so that's, those are two projects that I have. Um, I also have a company with my brothers. I'm one of the partners in a company called World Chef, where we basically work with the greatest chefs in the world. We curate menus for them. I then procure all the products for them. We have a, a distribution center that we ship out all of the products that are already mise en place and all set and ready to go. So it's like, you know, we just did a dinner with Tim Hollingsworth, and Tim was the winner of The Final Table on Netflix. Tim is a brilliant, brilliant, unbelievably humble chef. And he, uh, we did a dinner with him where he did a barilla taco. Um, we did a really cool kind of um, an Acapulco-style ceviche uh, that we shipped out. We then shipped those ingredients out to people. And then you do a live event with him where you get to cook live with Tim Hollingsworth. Oh, um, so my, we, we do that. We're creating the world's greatest foodie app. 
um, where we have access to the greatest chef tools, which is tips that we get from each chef that we work with. We have on-demand boxes that you can order. Um, so if you want to do a South Philly dinner with me, which is a Sunday night dinner, I do a smoked tomato um, bruschetta that we teach you how to do. We do a focaccia that we ship you the dough of the focaccia so you can just let it rise before and then pop it in the oven and make it off. And then you can cut it up for the bruschetta. Um, we do a cacio pepe, my version of a cacio pepe Ooh. with speck, um, which is like a smoked prosciutto, basically. Um, we do that, and then we do a dippy egg on top of it. And then I do like a grilled pound cake with macerated fruit, and we do a zabayon uh, that goes over top of that. So it's like we do these really cool meals, and you get to cook live with me in some of the cases. So um, I also have a podcast, which is called Duffified Live, which is taking a break for a year. We're in the process of getting the new guests back on. Um, we already have about 15 guests lined up, so now it's just a matter of us starting to record. Uh, what else? I have daughters, and I travel all over the world, and I have a boatload of fun, and I eat, and I have a couple different shows that are in concept development right now, and I want to start a new uh, YouTube thing, uh, which is me going into all these crazy neighborhoods all over the country um, and, and locking into these really great food outlets that are in each of these areas because – uh, it's funny the amount of people that are afraid to go into neighborhoods, uh, despite the old adage that the greatest food is in the worst hood. Yeah, I agree. I agree too. And uh, like honestly, one of the guests that I had on um, a little while ago, he's in a very bad area of Philadelphia. His his family restaurant is La Fagata, and they do Latin food, and I love his food. Um, but he is he's in he's in the hood. Um, and he, you know, doesn't make any qualms about it. He'll say it. But uh, but the food that he actually offers at that at that restaurant um, is is quite good. And, uh, you know, it's it's amazing what you can find if you're just willing to take that little extra trip. So that's yeah, cool that you're doing that. And especially in this day and age, I mean, there's there's, you know, Philadelphia, Philadelphia had pre pandemic over ninety five hundred food slash hospitality outlets, bars, restaurants, nightclubs, the whole nine yards, delis, everything. So I don't know what that number is now, but if you can count the amount of them that are on the side streets that you never even would have known. I mean, you look at La Pogada, you know, I mean, that's, you, you can't beat that. I mean, that location itself is just a super cool little place. And it's funny because I was walking up the street the other day and I walked past La Pogada and my nephew was with me and he's 12 and uh, he's from L.A., so he's not 100% used to being in, like, Philadelphia. And he looked at me he's like, is this, a, is this a bad neighborhood? I said, it's not that it's a bad neighborhood, but it's a great neighborhood for food. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's like if we can change that narrative a little bit, which is my theme or my kind of mantra for this year alone is that we all have to change the narrative. We have the opportunity to change the narrative of any situation um, just by changing our mindset. Um, so I, 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 my whole world is change the narrative, get your mind out of where you think it is and open it up a little bit and go a little further. I mean, hey, if you want to have somebody on as a guest, you know, I'd be willing to go with you for one of your shows. <laughs> <laughs> well, the podcast itself is uh, well, the podcast is done. We call it Duffified Live because the whole thing is recorded live. We do no editing to it at all. But the show. Yeah, I'm still trying to figure it out. I'm working with I've got a bunch of different um spots that i'm picking up on and actually my first couple are going to be me going into places where i've never been 
Um, so there are six states in the country that I have yet to go to. Um, so I'm actually going to start one. My first one is hopefully going to be in New Mexico. So, but That's, I'll let you know when I'm back in Philly. Of course. <laughs> um, now I want to circle back to um, to the seafood because we have Gene in the studio. He's one of my co-hosts, and he is going to be going to Maine um, relatively soon and bringing back some lobster. And I cannot wait for that. And one of the things that I saw you do is you actually showed people how to crack open a lobster. But, Gene, um, why don't you uh, talk about your your impending uh, trip now? Well, actually, well, one. Oh, uh, sorry. I thought you were talking to me. No. Go ahead, Gene. Talk. So one of, the, <laughs> one of the things that I do being a chef and a culinarian and, and a love of fresh ingredients, I have friends in Maine who have a business that comes down this way. So once a week, actually started this week, I get roughly 200 lobsters or so. Um, They come out of the water. I'll take some, right? They they come out of the water at about 5, 6 o'clock that morning, and they are on my doorstep uh, later on that evening, um, thanks to a a great culinary family here uh, in Philadelphia called the Spivaks, um, Johnny Spivak, Harry Spivak, but Johnny lives in Maine, so we started doing that. People have no clue what a great fresh lot i mean you know 12 hours old out of the water is like and and it's such a such a sad thing that people have not experienced that or what you know an oyster right from the bay is like you know where you just pull it in from the rake and crack it open you obviously know that. So can you talk a little bit about, you know, what you feel is best for bringing out those flavors that people don't get when they go and get a broiled lobster tail? Yeah, number one is stop buying crappy food. I mean, it's it's just that simple. You know, I mean, we, we have gotten into a world of we're no longer seasonal. You know, we're, you talk about soft shells. I mean, soft shells are only available for about a month month and a half out of every single year but you go into any restaurant you can you know i I see people running soft shell crab specials in january and february um you know i mean we we need really holding accountable the restaurants that are bringing this stuff in because it's not just about menuing an item it's about really being true to the food that you're serving in in however it is you're going to do it but so many times people mask the flavors of things by going in super hardcore, I mean, there's nothing better than a steamed lobster and drawn butter. Just the basics, with the exception of poaching a lobster in butter, which is another one of my favorite things That's to do. That's my favorite, too. But, yeah, no, seriously. Like, <laughs> come on, get... you can take... Oh, my God, it's my the buddy best. Just... Yeah, my buddy just texted me the other day, and he's like, Bri, I have four lobsters. What do I do with them? And I said, you need to take... Your first thing is to take two pounds of butter. And just melt it down, remove the milk fat out of it, and then take the lobster, break it apart, and just drop it in there. That's the bait. There you go. Add chives, add chopped shallots, and a clove of garlic, and you're good to go. Like, that's the basics of what it is that you need with that stuff. And, you know, the other thing is that I, I, there's so many people that have a, have a texture kind of issue, which I, I hate to say this, but when you tell me you have a texture issue, I want to know, you know, what temperature you want me to serve your bottle to you. Because we're adults. We should be beyond that stuff. You know, I mean, it's a mindset for us to go out and be able to eat. And there's a great thing that it was a brave man to be the first one to try an oyster. 
you know, and if you think about it, to be able to open your mind up just a little bit more and to take that oyster right out of the water, you know, crack it open and just slurp it back. It's unlike anything you'll ever taste. I, I anything, so agree. You know, I mean, even if you're talking about an oyster that's been out of the water for 24 hours, the difference of what you're getting at that at that immediate mark compared to what you're getting a little bit later is unbelievable. And I, you know, people tell me all the time that, you know, I kind of force them to try foods because I'm, I'm one of those people who I would rather you try it and tell me you didn't like it than to think about it and tell me you don't like it. You know, give me something to bear it off of, to base it off of. Even with my children, my girls are, are, the, are the first two 17 and 20-year-olds that I know that will sit down and eat crabs, crab for crab with me at any given moment. So it's like, you know, people should really try the basics of stuff. And with me, if you go out with me and it's the first time you've ever had an oyster, you're not getting cocktail sauce, you're not getting mignonette, you're not getting horseradish, and you're not getting lemon. What's you've wrong with the hot sauce, Bry? Well, there's nothing. Well, there's no. <laughs> I love but my hot back. sauce on my oyster. I love it. <laughs> well, I'm, I mean, I'm Latina, so I have to have my hot sauce. I'm sorry. Right. <laughs> but what I'm saying is if you're first. If it's your first oyster that you've ever had, oh yeah, for sure, you gotta have it fresh. Yeah, my kids have had it. Both my kids, they were like seven and eight when they first tried their oysters. And now, are they fans? Do they? Oh, they love it. They love it. And we went to St. Croix again. Now they're like, can we get some oysters? And what kids turn (laughs) around and say that? But it's because they like it, and they're always like. Don't yeah. chew it too much, right? I'm like, don't chew it. You, I yeah. usually don't even chew it. I, just I was going to swallow, swallow yeah. it. Yeah. So I try to teach them that, so the, but they love yeah. it. So what you want to do and what I tell everybody is you want to take the oyster. You want to, you know, obviously it's opened up for you or if you're going to open it yourself. And then you put it into your mouth and you let it sit there for two seconds. Mm-hmm. Just hold it on, the t- on your tongue so that all of that liquor gets to kind of start moving through. Because what happens when you put that salty brine in your mouth is now your palate starts to work. Now it's like, holy, what's going on? And then you crack, you let it sit there, let those that liquor work through your mouth and let it start to work through your taste buds. And then you raise your tongue up to the roof of your mouth and you press on it so that it cracks inside of your mouth. And then you pop that oyster open, all that beautiful fleshy loviness, and you crack it inside of your mouth and then let it sit for another second and then swallow it. Like that to me is the best way to eat an oyster. Mm-hmm. That's love. And then after I have that first one, I'm the first person to throw a saltine in there. Get yeah. me some horseradish, <laughs> but, but and some hot sauce. But that first oyster always has to be that literally that jewel of the sea. All right. Now speaking of jewels, what is the best way that our listeners can find you? So I mean, hey, I'm super fun. It's, I mean, I'm super easy. It's Chef Bride Duff. <laughs> If you're on Facebook, it's Chef Brian Duffy. But if you're Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest, whatever you want to find me on, uh, it's really pretty much Chef Brian Duff. Um, if you want any more information or any of that stuff, you can go to ChefBrianDuffy.com. All of my websites are listed right there. Um, all my information is in my bio on my Instagram page, including recipes and stuff that I do because I do a lot with corporate brands. So I post a lot of my recipes that I do up there. So, yeah, that's the easiest way. All right. Thank you so much for joining us, Brian. And for our listeners, you can tune in and hear him at any time um, and check out his podcast, the Duffified podcast.
And Brian, I'll bring the sang. I make a great white sangria. I'll bring it to the crab fest. Just let me know when. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking a hundred gallon. I, we're good. Put, I'm sure that every single one of my guests at the crab fest are going to enjoy it. But I'm drinking a beer with crab. <laughs> I, I, I I hear you. I I can go that way. <laughs> that was awesome. Thank you, Brian. Let's you go to break, go. and we'll be right back. Tune in to Dining on a Dime to hear from Gene Blum, our chef, educator, consultant, and historian. You can find him across social media at ibfoodie2 or Gene Blum at ibfoodie2 at yahoo.com. And you can also tune in to listen to Amaris Pollock and find her across social media at arpollockus at gmail.com. Amaris Pollock, introduce your fabulous guest. Okay, so for our listeners, we have Luciano Russo, who is a Philadelphia local, and he has started a, well, he started creating a sauce, um, learning from his mother in his kitchen growing up. Um, Luciano, welcome to our show. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your sauce and how you got started? Pretty much, it's a kind of a tradition kind of thing. We um, always, you know, every year we made sauce uh, going back from, you know, uh, since I was a kid. You know, I'm originally from Calabria, Italy, and uh, coming over here to this country, you know, we always did sauce every year. So, you know, one of those years, especially with social media and everything, I put out there some videos and uh, I, I got some response. Like, people are like, uh, can, we, uh, can we get some of your sauce? So, that's how it kind of all started. So from that, you know, I just uh, slowly uh, start making more and more for uh, people, and then it's since then it's been it's been crazy. So it's, it's a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful thing, and it's it's kind of crazy that how I met you was actually at the cheesesteak, that epic cheesesteak that was in. Right, right, yeah. Definitely. And you actually had your sauce while you were there, so I was able to try it, and so was our co-host Gene who is sitting across from me. It was absolutely, it, it was one of those things that I had, and I'm like, okay, I have to have more of this. I need to awesome. seek this out and get more. It was just really phenomenal. Um, and I appreciate you being part of that. I mean, it was a, hey, a world record day. Definitely, definitely was. It was a lot of fun. Uh, it was a great way to, you know, kind of, again, uh, just promote yourself and, uh, had a great opportunity, and I just wanted people to to uh, as as one of the girls that I uh, came across uh, there. Also, she just put it out uh, strictly fresh, which is the way that I um, you know portray that. It's like you're going to make it yourself, but it's also a technique of how I was taught, you know, and how much it's cooked, and uh, just keep it basic, simple with the uh, extra virgin olive oil and the, and the salt, and then just dipped basil dipped and and that's it you know that flavor the sweetness uh comes down to though you gotta understand um now i finally have my own uh named tomato it's called the il russo and it's an amish grown summerzano tomato so the amish people i hooked up with um particularly grow this uh tomato for me it's a summerzano which the italians use only summerzano to make their sauce every year in italy so that's why I figured, you know, let me let me get this going on here from Amish soil, which they are the best farmers in my, in my book of today. They're the only ones that do it old school, and you, you can't get any better than that. 
no, you can't get any better than than that, especially on, you know, this area, too, because they've, as you said, they're doing it. They've been doing it for years, growing, you know, fresh produce and you have it delivered. And if I recall, you have a large quantity of tomatoes that are currently growing. And why don't you tell our listeners what what's going to you know, what's available to them as soon as that's, you know, ready for the picking? You know, so pretty much uh, going to August is kind of like the peak time when a tomato's ready. So I'm, we're looking at thousands of pounds of tomatoes. Uh, majority is used for uh, for my, my, own, my own jars that I make. But then also there's a lot of sauce makers out there that, you know, don't get the specific summers on a tomato. Uh, to, you know, you really can't buy it at a store that much quantity that you need in order to jar sauce every year. Because people always do like 50 to 100 to 200 jars you know, for their own home. But of course, I also make it for people that don't make the sauce, you know, don't have the time to do that. So I have it pre ready for them. It's um, sealed, heat sealed. So there's no preservatives, you know, besides like, you know, the Amish do not put anything in in their, um, you know, no pesticides, everything's naturally grown. So I get that also, uh, you know, part of um, the experience of having a fresh sauce, natural, everything about it, it's just healthy. It's it strictly healthy and fresh. And there's a lot of love in it too, because that you know you did grow <laughs> up learning how to make this with your mother, right? So um, definitely, I, I, I owe it up to her for sure. You know, it's a big part. The, you know, you got to have good teachers in life. Exactly. Sure. Yeah. Now, speaking of experiences, I want to touch on the fact that you have some other things going on in the works um, outside of just the sauces that you're creating. Uh, yes, yeah, so definitely, uh, hopefully in the in the near future, I'm not sure exactly. My always my thoughts were always like a place, you know. I, I would love to have something that gives people the um, the experience of being in Italy, uh, authentic. Uh, you know, just keep it simple between you know things with my sauce or paninis, caffè, all those uh, spuntinos as I call them, very very you know small things. They can come there, but the main thing to me is going to be the experience and the hospitality and that culture that you need to get once you, you know, get in there uh, in this place, let's say, and, and people are just going to be like, wow, uh, you know, I feel, I feel welcomed. I feel like family. That's, that to me is very important. So that's kind of like part of the continuation on what I'm doing now to build, you know, uh, this brand, my uh, Da Vinci Satsagara Brezza, and, uh, you know, just slowly get to that point of, uh, for also people to come to a place. Besides, I will have like the tomatoes um, available if uh, those that are sauce makers, they can, you know, they can direct uh, message me. I bring them tomatoes if needed, which I've done that in the past. The old uh, little Italian ladies want the summer's on a tomato. So I bring them tomatoes. Uh, uh, there's also, there's going to be markets that will have the tomatoes available and also the jars. Eventually I'll have it out there, you know, if you follow through me, uh, uh, on Instagram and Facebook, you'll find me with Philly Da Vinci. It's an easy way. Hashtag Philly Da Vinci. You can uh, you can find me and uh, get in contact with me, and you'll see what I can offer for you. And you know that's definitely a great offer. Like especially, you know, we touched on experiencing. You know, you had said that you want to bring the experience of Italy to to Philadelphia. Um, we touched right. on the experience of how the how Americans eat versus how you know everyone else in the world eats and 
everyone else seems to slow down and take their time. And it's an, it is an experience, you know, and right. you speak about family. And so what what when you're creating these sauces, you know, what is your favorite sit down family meal that you utilize the sauces that you create? Um, pretty much. I mean, the majority of time for time wise, um, things are basic. You know, we love marinara style, you know, just, you want to just taste that freshness of tomato. But, you know, again, what I make is the base. So you can make a, an amazing lasagna that we make with, uh, we actually make it with the meat, but of course you don't have to make it with the meat. You can make it with the ricotta and stuff like that. But my, my big fan, you know, of my mother, though, when she always made the lasagna with the, with the ground, you know, good, good meat, uh, and then our sauce, just what tops it off is our sauce. And then, of course, if you use a, a great cheese like Parmigiano-Reggiano, you can't beat that. So you're going to get those authentic Italian flavors. Like when you go to Italy, you know, you got to go to those small towns and get that experience. You know what I mean? I know there's not nice restaurants, this and that. But the bottom line is when you go to those small towns and you go to like a house and, and, and just go to this little old lady that's making the, uh, the pasta uh, from scratch at home. And then when you taste that sauce, that's what I want you to have. I want I want that experience for you. And I would love to have that experience again because, <laughs> you know, I tasted your sauce. And I normally am like a, a tart, more of a tart sauce lover. Um, but I have to say for the fact that it's a sweeter sauce, it has a lot of flavor. You know, as you said, it's fresh. You can taste that freshness, you know, from from taste taking a mouthful essentially that's kind yeah. of what i did as i took <laughs> i took a mouthful that's of your awesome. sauce yeah that's and awesome. you know it was it was a lovely like mixture of the sweet you know in in with the tomatoes and it just the way that you balanced everything and the acidity of everything that was absolutely right. delicious and you know awesome. i want awesome. yeah i 100% <laughs> want to um grab a few jars and actually there's some people i would love to uh introduce your sauces to them because it is awesome. it's wonderful and you know yeah as you said it's going to be on some storefront locations soon but where can they find your sauces for purchase right now so pretty much just basically through instagram they dm me um believe it or not i'm like the milkman uh i i now became the sauce man so believe it or not there's there's customers that i have leave their money they leave like cash underneath their rug and i have cases i you know like when i say like their rug they're mat in front of their doorstep you know what i mean they leave their money in there uh, underneath and i leave them the case of of sauce for them and when they come home it's like it's like the milkman like back in the day you know how the milkman uh, you know way back in our time that the milkman used to drop off the the, uh, the tomato uh the, this the, the milk now here i am doing the sauce man i i come directly to you so if you go directly on uh, Instagram, you can find uh, follow me uh, on, um, as a Philly Da Vinci, uh, and then also same thing with uh, Facebook. You can go uh, under uh, my Facebook page, particularly for that is uh, Da Vinci Satsa with a Z, Satsa Galabresum, and that's pretty much. You go directly to me. I you'll be before you know it, I'll be at your house with uh, uh, the freshest, uh, which I consider it Philly's only homemade sauce because you're you're gonna get. Homemade, like no uh, no other sauce out there. Yeah, I have to say. 
You know what I would love to try making with your sauce is an eggplant rollatini. I, I'm like craving one of those right now. Wow, wow, okay. We're going to have to give it a shot together. I'll give it a, you know, I'll bring the sauce, and you bring the... Eggplant. Your, your the things, and we'll make it happen together. Yeah, okay. exactly. Like family, it's all it's about. Like being like family, it's all it's, all it's about. <laughs> and, you know, the mots, we got to get the right mots. Yes, <laughs> I love it. I love how the uh, the Americans when they uh, I'm sorry to say, but I say the Americans, but when they use like uh, certain Italian words, I just love their their way of saying. Because you know what we talked about earlier before we said about like the whole sauce and gravy thing. You know, like how people uh, consider it gravy, and I'm like, you know what? Listen, the bottom line could be sauce or gravy for you. I say sauce because I'm originally from Italy, from Italy so I can't say gravy. But <laughs> the beautiful thing, there's always a history with that of how someone in their family, you know, gave that word to them. And that's what they use till today, you know. And But the bottom line, it's about being good and fresh. It's, got to, it's all it's about. I, I feel like Gene has an opinion right now. And, and the opinion <laughs> of Gene is his own. It is not the one of our radio station. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, okay. I agree with you. It's always a family-influenced thing. I always attribute it uh, the two, and, and I try to differentiate when I – would teach people that gravy is anything that has some type of meat in it. So if you start right. with veal bones or something like that, then it becomes a gravy. Otherwise, if it's fresh, like you're talking about, it is sauce and it, it is, is great sauce. sauce. Right. <laughs> nice. so. great. It's See, funny because actually us Italians in Italy, when we, when we have anything with meat, we say ragu. Yes. Not the ragu brand, the ragu, it's, uh, that's something that's how we say gravy. That's the interpretation of gravy in Italian is ragu. So Absolutely. That's, so that's the two words I got. I, I feel like I'm going to trip over ragu. Ragu. That's, you know, my opinion is based on the fact that, like, you get shot in my family if you don't call it gravy, so. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love to hear stuff like that. It makes me laugh. And it's a, <laughs> it's a beautiful thing that, you know, there's always a, a reason behind it. It's always a reason behind, and it's, it's a, it gets passed on. So it's nothing wrong with it. Again, it's got to be good and fresh. Exactly. So to our, thank you for joining us, Luciano. And if awesome. you are out there and you want to pick up some of his sauces, his Instagram is Philly. Da- it's Phil- Philly Da Vinci. So you have it. Gotcha. Yes, Philly Thanks Da Vinci so sixteen. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you guys. I greatly appreciate it for the opportunity. God bless you guys. All Thank right. You. Thank you. Thank you. Philly Restaurant. Philly Restaurant Reviews dot com with an S. Chef Gene. You can find me across social media at ibfoodie2, that's I-B-F-O-O-D-I-E, the number two, or email me directly at ibfoodie2 at yahoo.com. Have a wonderful week. Amorous Pollock. You can find me across social media, either under Amorous Pollock or A.R. Pollockus, and you can email me directly at arpollockus at gmail.com. We'll see you next week.